Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now you'll complain about the weather. It's freezing today. It's absolutely freezing compared to yesterday. It is, honestly, 30 degrees. I clocked it yesterday and 30, no joking you, 30 it was. 17, 18 today. It's freezing. Are you cold, Louise? You're one that feels the cold. I wouldn't say it's freezing, Terry. Come on, there's a big difference. I do difference. feel the cold, but no, I, there is a big difference. Isn't there? Yeah, I had to shut the window last night. <laughs> <laughs> what are we like in this I'm little... I'm on a fleece, but no, I don't place. think it's... Did you put on a fleece? Yeah. Oh, Going no. Last night now was muggy enough, but I think today's freezing. Today is free. We warned you a couple of days of this and the country goes fucking mad and everything about it. And now it's over and that's it for another year. We'll Parcels be on the snow next. Down. We'll be Fans shoveling snow next. Away. <laughs> and we'll be underwater. And oh, what kind of a crowd are we? What would we do without the weather to talk about? I really don't know. And we have a question for you, Miss Walsh or Mrs. Ferreter. Surnames and mm. taking names. You are Louise Walsh. That's your maiden name. Yeah. And you're known as Louise Walsh. Yeah. The length and breadth. In work. You are Mrs. Ferreter. Yeah. Why didn't you take the name? Um, two reasons, I suppose. Now, I am I am Ferreter on my passport and I just did that for the kids, you know, because it's easier yes. when you're taking them abroad rather than having okay. a different name and on the passport and all that. Um, but I still have my maiden name on the passport. Um, I I suppose I worked and I've found a lot of people working in journalism uh, women who've gotten married have held on to their maiden name yes because they've worked hard and, and you know their name is kind of finally recognised in some shape or form yes so to change that no it is a media it, thing. Why? Yeah, uh, you're right. It is a thing in media. I don't know why. Is it just media though, or is it? Mm, perhaps more? it's a, a broader. But certainly, we are. I recognise it's the same in, in mm. media. Why do women do that? Is that because they lose their? You've built up a profile and identity, and you don't want to. I think so because there are a lot of women here and even in LMFM yes. that are married, but I've kept on their maiden name yes. after they've gotten oh, married. Oh, listen, and I know a lot of people yeah. in the newspaper world that have yeah. done the same. I know very few that have changed their name. Mm. But the other side was I held on to my maiden name for work because my father had four girls and no boys, and my three eldest sisters had taken on their husband's name. Okay. When they got married. So I just wanted to hold on to the, the Walsh you're name. flying the flag for Walsh. Yeah, because there's no boys. <clears throat> there was no boys <clears throat> to carry it okay. on. Okay, okay. I hear what you're saying. Do you never consider the, the double barrel no. Walsh Ferreter? No. Okay, that wasn't on, on your agenda at all. Sounds wrong. 
Okay, that's yeah. uh, and that's the way you 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 not for you, no. but but yes for for many others as yes. well. There's actually an increase in people, you know, to having the two names. That that's a fact that is happening. But here's an entirely different take on it. Did you ever consider? <laughs> I did. Was it ever on your radar to say, well, Owen will become Walsh and I'll become Ferreta? No, no. Or, or we'll all become Walshes. No. Owen would be Owen Walsh. No. Owen Never. wouldn't do it and I don't think very many men would. Okay. I think they might see it as a sign of almost weakness. Boys oh boys hello boys are you out there hello boys would you ever consider did it ever cross your mind and would you consider in the future perhaps taking your wife's name taking her name uh, as the overall name for the family uh, going under that banner, would you? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, please. I don't think it should be a thing. I think you just, you're born, you know, I'm born Louise Walsh, so I should be Louise Walsh and you should be Jerry Kelly. You know, why should a woman have to change her name or why should the option be even there? Like, okay, if they want to do it, that's fine. But mm. it shouldn't be a thing. You just... You're, you're okay, you are, like. it's custom, it's tradition, and most people still do it. Let's have a chat with somebody who's been writing about this. Well, this is a new one on me. Uh, you know that the woman's name would become uh, the preemptive and the predominant name in in the new family arrangement. I'm delighted to say hello to Kirsty Blake Knox. Hello, Kirsty. Hi, how's it going? Well, you hear us chatting on there, the pair of us here about and what we're talking about, and you've been listening intently. Tell me this. Where did this come from with you? You really have stirred up something here, let me say. Um, well, I guess that this weekend, um, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck got married and she um, broke the news of their wedding via her newsletter and she signed it off at the end, um, Jennifer Lynn Affleck. And I was just surprised that she had kind of taken his name in that way because she's like like you were saying Louise like she's so established um, we all know her mm. as J-Lo and she had intended to do this for years because she was interviewed back in 2003 when they were first engaged almost 20 years ago um, or over 20 years ago saying um, that she intended to become um, Jennifer Affleck although she conceded that J-Aff doesn't sound quite as good as J-Lo um, <laughs> so I was just wondering like I just think you know, it is the majority of women do adopt their husband's surname um, when they get married. It's something I don't understand. It's not something I would do my, myself just because I, I like my, my own surname. Mm. Um, but I do know, like one of my friends, um, a relative of mine, they've recently got married and the man, uh, her husband, adopted her name um, rather than her adopting his. And I think it just came, to them, it just came down to a discussion like, whose name do we like more? Who's more emotionally attached to their, yes. their name? And and they kind of just went about it that way. Um, and I think that might be a really good way to approach it rather than assuming someone's going to take assuming that the woman's going to take the man's name or assuming that it's going to be, like you mentioned, double barrel there and bringing two names together. Just having like a discussion and be like, whose name sounds better, who's more uh, attached or uh, kind of connected to their name um, and kind of decided that way might be a better way than just kind of going down a traditional route. 
Well, you've set us thinking, Kirsty. You really have. You've prompted a, 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 a debate and a discussion around this that I never thought I'd be having, to be honest with you. Let me ask you about you. Your family name is Blake Knox, is it? You, you, yeah. That's your family name. So if you were to, you know, uh, look at your name with somebody else, by the way, I see you love uh, Julian Casablancas from The Strokes. Yeah, yeah uh, that was the only time I ever thought <laughs> I would give up my name is uh, Julian Casablancas is the lead singer with The Strokes. And when I a teenager I really fancied him and I thought Christy <laughs> Casablanca's sounds really cool I was like that's, that's the one exception to the rule <laughs> that I would change my name Well look we're all entitled to, to dream aren't we and yes, and, yes. and when you're a teen and somebody's your idol why not as they say yeah, but yeah. for you you know with a double barrel name already you know what mm-hmm. I'm getting at and you have say another name to consider would you give up your you'll not give up the Blake Knox would you ever no, no, never. Um, and like, but my partner, he he would never ex- expect me to, and and yeah, and I I wouldn't ask him to give up his name either, unless he hated it, mm. which he doesn't. Um, so <laughs> like, but I just think it's an interesting discussion to start, and like, I think that when my when I said one of my friends did this that he uh, that he took on his his wife's name it just felt really nicely subversive and and a bit different and I kind of would it would be really nice to see just to kind of balance things out if some lads decided you know what I I'm going to take her name because because it sounds nicer or or it means more that I that I make that gesture than than the other way around. So you know somebody who's actually done this and gone through the yeah. process because I'm just thinking Kirsty I don't have to remind you about this the paperwork oh my god <laughs> passports bank accounts insurance you name it you know what I'm talking about this is yeah. a nightmare like yeah, yeah, it is. But it's it's a it's like you say it's a nightmare. But a lot of women have have they done do. that, you know, they and do. gone through the, fairness, yeah. the practicality. So, yep, so you true, know, it's, true. Maybe it's time that Ben can do it too. <laughs> yes, you see, I'm showing my male bias there. I beg your pardon. I didn't mean to do that, but I see exactly. Yes, of course, it apply. It works equally, equally both ways. Um, what about the whole thing? I'm just thinking, you know, when when um, a marriage is to happen or whatever your arrangement is for life and families are involved on either side, I can only imagine the uh, whispers behind the scenes. You know what I'm talking about? What's going on here? Yeah, I, I, I think that there are definitely, I think from like maybe an older like generation might kind of uh, talk about it. But I like to be honest, I really think that you know, you can't factor in what like an, your auntie who you see three times a year is going to make about mm. your life decisions in that way. Mm. Like if you start thinking like that, you'd never do anything because yes. you'd be so worried about what other people think. Like you've just got to do what you feel comfortable with and what you, you want to do. And if and if you're a woman and you want to keep your, even the term maiden name sounds so out of date, but like then then you should be able to do that. But if you want to like go down the traditional route, then you should be able to do that too. But I think you should never be basing your decision on what like your granny or your okay. your auntie thinks <laughs> thinks of it. Kirsty, easier said than done in a lot yeah, of Irish no, families, true. as you can imagine the way it goes no, on. The true. other thing is you have even gone a step further because I really enjoyed what you had to say about this and enjoyed reading it you, you say that perhaps even uh, entirely new surnames altogether so the couple could abandon both their surnames and opt for something entirely new 
Yeah, like just I thought, why not get a bit creative with it? Like I was jokingly saying in that article, like if, if J-Lo and Ben Affleck had both adopted Benifer, which everyone uh, <laughs> refers to them as, as, yes, their, yes. as their last name, and she was legally known as Jennifer Benifer. But, um, but you know, but like they're, they're, you could kind of play around with it a bit. Like famously, like, you know, Dawn O'Porter, Chris O'Dowd's wife, she blended their names together to create... Mm. Um, a new name she was previously just Dawn Porter and, and took on the O apostrophe to kind of, you know, show that they were united, but she was still an individual. So there is, the, the, you can kind of be a bit more inventive with it, I think, than, mm. than, than we usually are. Well, I tell you one thing, you've got us all chittering and chatting about this and thinking about it and wondering and it's it's a whole new take on this uh, to be sure. It'll be interesting to see uh, where this goes or if there are many people actually will go down the route where uh, the woman in the relationship, her name becomes the family name and as you say there are uh, the mechanisms there to go through the process or whatever uh, uh, and change the whole thing. What do you think, honestly, your gut, Kirsty, before you go, will this be a tsunami or do you think it'll be niche? Um, I think it'll be niche. Like, you know, there was a survey done in uh, 2016 and uh, the BBC did and they interviewed with uh, women um, between the ages of 18 and 30 asking, would they want to take on their future husband's surname? And 85% said they would. And they cited loads of reasons, like, you know, it showed a level of commitment. Some thought it was just very romantic, public declaration of love. Um, and other people thought it showed a united family. Some people wanted to create some distance with their origin family as well. So I think it is really, really deeply rooted um, in like kind of societal traditions and family traditions. So while I think some people might start kind of moving away from that, I'd say the vast majority will stick uh, stick with it. But, but it's just nice to see a little bit of change and a little bit of shake up uh, taking place. It certainly is. Thank you so much for joining me today. Enjoy your writing. I really do. I read you regularly. Uh, but you're onto something here and you have prompted uh, thought and discussion and debate. Thanks for taking our call, Kirsty. Thank you so much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Kirsty Blake Knox there. You can read her in The Independent today online as well and you'll see uh, what she has to say. Well, Louise, there you go. Um, it has to be something that's niche initially doesn't it it'd be small I'd say oh, the uptake tiny, in it. tiny say, really at yeah. this stage I'm laughing at J-Lo now what did she say Jaff sounds like half a biscuit doesn't it <laughs> yeah they, they can't have the cake and <laughs> oh, eat it no. no they can't have the cake and eat it for, of course but you know it, it's, it, it, it is thought provoking isn't it it is something that as, as Kirsty said there you know women change and majority women do take their husband's name change all their uh, official documents and it is so hard to change all the official and it documents is. it is of course it is hard what do you think folks ladies and gentlemen what do you think would you want ladies your man to take your name and that become the family name boys would you ever consider taking your woman's name? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, please. It's not just, though, I mean, if you have kids, that you have to take into consideration yes. there. Yes, you do. You yeah. do. And that that, that, that is a, a, a good point to make. And don't get me into the whole thing of, of, of you know, even slight variances name. I think I told you this before. My wife is known as Miriam, but her official name is Jane. Mm. And that, that's caused us endless problems with, you know, with passports and everything. 
yeah. and she signs something and they say that's not you <laughs> but it is me it is and that's only a little a little point to make you know about uh, about names and, and changing names and is that names. anywhere on her passport Miriam anywhere on her passport there's a name on the passport somewhere <laughs> that's all <laughs> but it's not much use at times anyway it, it, it is interesting it is it, so it, she'd it, have to change her na- name legally by deed poll mm, wouldn't she mm, yes Yes, she's yes, never yes. thought of doing that. No, 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 no. She she should just stick to the Jane thing and and, and not be messing around with other names or, or anything. Never like that. find her if she wanted to go, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that while we head to a short break on late lunch. Stay with us. We have a cautionary tale coming up after two on the show about a woman who almost fell victim to a predator she met online on her first date. Back to the names, Louise. You've an interesting comment there from a listener. Yeah, Mark and Kells. I, this is really interesting. Hi, Jerry. It's one thing for a woman taking the man's surname, but I remember post being sent to Mrs. John Smith, where John Smith was the husband's name. I think that was degrading. Mm, and I've seen that in the past. I've seen that in the past, and that was a common thing. Yeah. Uh, that uh, letters and correspondence would it's be addressed. It's almost as once you got married you belonged to that, that person. person. You hadn't got your own identity anymore. And that was the idea about taking, you know, the name that your your name was gone and you had your new Which family awful. name. awful. Well, yeah, but it was the belonging. The be- yes. They and owned you. That's it. And that that's where it is historically. But yet, you know, as Kirsty said there, what, 80-something percent mm-hmm. of women Still want take the name yeah. of, of the man that they marry. Hi, Jerry. Uh, what a brilliant idea, says a listener. I got married in the 70s and if it was again, I would keep my name because it causes so much hassle changing the name. I absolutely agree with you there. Eileen's been on to us as well by WhatsApp. And if you want to send us a message, don't forget the number 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, or you can text us as well. Uh, Eileen says, I still use my own name. As Jerry. it's your name on your birth registration. So it's not compulsory to take your husband's name. It's not indeed uh, compulsory at all. But as you said, Louise, with children... It is an issue, isn't Sometimes, it? Sometimes, especially yes. going abroad. Yeah. Passports and that. You yeah, know, things like that. What did you say again about, is your passport in Ferreter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, but I have my maiden name on it as well. Do you? Yeah, you have the option. You can put oh, your maiden put name both. on passport. There you go. You can put both on the passport. There's a, you learn something every day on late lunch, don't you? You can do that if you want it. Mm-hmm. There it is. You can have both your names on the passport. Yes, indeed. Surnames, taking names... Double barrel names, calling names, whatever you want. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Taking us up to top of the hour at two. It's you two. And whatever your name is, it's the sweetest thing. Enjoy it. Enjoy your name. We've been talking about surnames and taking names or not taking names when you get married and you've been responding to us. We thank you for your comments. Keep them coming to 086-1800-658. Hi, Jerry. Better still, says G, don't get married at all. Save all the bull, you know what? Live in sin. Cheaper in the long run.
<laughs> a married cynic there for sure and uh, thanks indeed for all your messages I'll come back to them shortly I promise you now we've talked about safety and in particular the safety of women on a number of occasions on this show especially in the last say year to 18 months and I'm delighted to welcome somebody back to the show that I really admire and respect he's the man behind Crab Maga in Dundalk and beyond Anthony Canaan Nice to talk to you again. How you doing, Jerry? Great to be with you again. Lovely to have you with us. I want you first to tell our listeners the story of the post uh, you uh, put up recently on social media about this lady who got in touch with you. Tell them what happened, or Anthony, please. Well, uh, simply put, um, Jerry, you know, I've I've a lot of stories. You know, as I told you before, we've spoken many times before about uh, sexual assaults on women and um, about, about a lot of women who train in, in our school mm. learn how to protect themselves. But one story uh, that, I, that was told to me the other day um, was a young, a young girl who actually was training privately with me and uh, she came to get some basic uh, uh, safety training and some knowledge about how to protect herself. But she had, hadn't been training with me in a while, but she had got it uh, just last year. And basically what she told me uh, I decided to put up on on social media just to make more women aware of the dangers that are out there, especially when it comes to online dating and the issue around date rape. Um, this, this, as the story goes, is that she she decided to go out and meet this guy online that she met through a certain dating app. I won't mention the, the dating app, but um, basically she done all the correct things when she decided she wanted to meet this guy. She checked him out online. He was friend. He, he knew. She knew him through a friend of a friend, and basically she done all the correct things. Where she went to a public place and, you know, made made sure that she was getting a lift home and that she knew who she was going with. She she let people know who who, who she was going with and mm. stuff like that. There, his full name, things like that. There, so she made all the correct decisions uh, leading up to the date. Uh, but when she was in the middle of the date, uh, she was drinking a glass of wine and she got up. And she actually left and went to the, the toilet and left her uh, glass of wine on the table. Uh, that was a mistake. Um, and when she came back, uh, she sat down and the guy says to her, uh, how is your drink? And as soon as he said to her, how is your drink? Or, uh, how is your drink? She, she just felt an over, overwhelming feeling of, of uh, uh, she felt very uncomfortable, like something wasn't right. Mm. Uh, so... She, she, her mind was racing back actually to uh, information that I had had given her uh, in her safety training. And one thing that I had told her to do if she's ever going out on online dating or anything like that, there uh, to make sure to bring uh, a date uh, rape testing kit. Uh, these are simply got online, and basically uh, she had decided to take one with her anyhow, and she always had one on her. So she decided to, to tell the guy that she was going to go uh, for a vape, and she took the glass of wine with her. Uh, when she went out to the to the area to do her vape, and she tested, it only takes a couple of seconds for a positive reading to come up. Uh, she found out that he had uh, spiked her 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 wine. Mm. Uh, so with that, there in shock, she went to the bar. She told the barman to ring the police to put the the, the wine behind the behind the bar. And during this uh, time, the other guy that she had went on a date with, she he seen her up at the bar and a bit of commotion. He went up to her and he asked what was wrong. And uh, she wouldn't answer him. And then security got involved. They took over the situation. And the guards arrived then and uh, took the 
the uh, the predator away. So uh, basically, uh, she avoided a very dangerous situation by being very self-aware and reactive, and uh, you know, observant, and remembering things that I had taught her when she was training with me in the school, uh, doing her private training. So basically, uh, you know, it's 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 actually. A good story, but a bad story at the same time, Jerry. you know. Mm, but it's a very, very good story. And you've told it so well, Anthony, there as well for us. It, it's very important because it, it raises uh, the issue here yet again. Tell me about this spike testing kit. It, it's a simple little thing, isn't it? And you can pick it up online, yeah? Yeah, look, there's loads. There's lots of, um, there's lots of uh, different variations, but... Uh, uh, basically, you can get ones to go on your keyring. You can get ones to connect to the back of your phone. Uh, so it's always there with you. You know, you're never going to be without it. There's other ones where you just have to dab a tiny, uh, tiny piece of paper into the drink. Uh, also, uh, actually, since that uh, post went up, another one of my uh, students, she contacted me and told me of a situation where, um, you know, she she actually took my advice of wearing, it's, it's actually a nail polish, uh, and you dip your nail into the drink, and if it turns a certain colour, you know the drink has been spiked. And she had actually witnessed another guy in a nightclub spiking another girl's drink. She went over, took the drink, put her nail into it, and then told the security about it. And that girl, you know, she actually protected that girl from actually being a victim. So mm. the certain, the certain, uh, there's a lot of it going on, which just does make women more aware of it, you know, Jerry. No, it's very important too. Isn't that guy some piece of work? You know what I mean? To do something like this. And he's not alone. As you know, this is not an uncommon thing. It's a very, it uh, can be a common thing and a danger that lurks out there all the time. By the way, just uh, uh, well done to her uh, for taking the training with you, remembering, having the kid with her. And her gut, Anthony, that's a big thing, isn't it? Her gut just told her when he said, are you enjoying the drink? Yeah, well, look, I, I always tell, you know, a lot of my training is a lot of just knowledge, you know. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of women don't even come in and do physical training. Like, they, they come in and just learn a bit knowledge about mm. how to prevent bad things happen to them. Like, you know, uh, and, you know, I always ask them to, to watch out for certain traits in the person, like behaviours, like controlling behaviours, uh, feeling uncomfortable. Like, maybe if they feel a wee bit intimidated, like a weird stares from the person or... A uh, big one is degrading jokes. Anybody who makes, any man that makes degrading jokes is, you have to watch out for these kind of boys, you know. Uh, they've no respect for women. So you have to, you have to watch out for all these signs, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail in that. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm doing it all the time, but, you know, I've found out over the last while there's been a rise in a lot of women coming and doing this specific training, you know. Yes, and that's interesting you make that point that it's just not about physically being able to. There's a lot more to this protecting yourself that doesn't require that element. And that element is very positive indeed. And and to take it on board is fantastic. She did as a precaution just to finish that particular story. uh, She did go to hospital just in case uh, she had taken anything on board, yeah? Yes, she did. Uh, And uh, actually, um, there's charges going on at the minute. Like There's a lot of you know, evidence there. You know, he's, yeah. he's in big trouble, this guy. So, uh, mm. you know, I'm just thankful that she, she got out of it safely, you know. Mm. Uh, look, at this. you know, we know, the last time I spoke to you, uh, Jerry, was just after Ashley Murphy was murdered. Mm. And, 
you know, uh, for, 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 for us to understand that, you know, sexual predators, they exist in, in all communities, in all towns and cities around Ireland, around the world, you know, but they also exist online, on social media. And we have to be very careful and take extra precaution if we are doing online dating. And there's certain, you know, things we can do and, and procedures we can put in place to make sure that we're not giving opportunity to predators, these monsters. Uh, the other thing, Anthony, is when you, when you tell us the story there, she did, this lady did everything right. She uh, pinpointed her whereabouts. She had arranged to be taken home. That mightn't have been any use had your man uh, had his way with this drink. God knows what would have happened thank god it didn't but she let people know you know the way this online world people are dating it and meeple people and you know maybe they don't like to talk about it or maybe there's a little bit of embarrassment you know what i'm getting at but that should not be the case you know jerry uh, you know a lot of a lot of these predators that they, they specifically use online dating apps to target vulnerable women and they use a lot of different tactics you know the the they would learn a lot about that, about that uh, for instance, on the dating app that she used. There wouldn't have been a lot of personal information, but, you know, it's very easy for uh, this guy to go on to Facebook, for instance, where you get a lot of personal information about the person, what, they're, what they like, what their interests are. So basically, you're, you're manipulating the person in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know and, and again, it's, that there is a lot of things that women can do to, to prevent their, their, their drink being spiked if they're out, and also to prevent... Even guys who are pretending to be someone else on social media, on these on these Tinder apps or on these dating apps. But uh, you know, uh, like I said, like I said, uh, any woman that comes in here, a sexual predator, can, uh, you don't know what monsters look like. Mm. You know, mm. you look at these guys on Love Island, a sexual predator can look just like them. So they have to understand that too, you know? Yeah, that can be anybody and they look totally innocent and they look great and everything about them, but you just do not know. The other thing I want to come back to is something you mentioned there and it's a very important piece of advice. It is a cardinal error to leave your uh, table to go to the bathroom or wherever, take a phone call and leave your drink there uh, available. Look, I, that was the only mistake she made, and she yeah. knows that it'll never happen again. Mm. You know, uh, you, you should always pour your own drink, or make sure you only drink it that you uh, drink a drink that you've seen uh, been poured yourself. And you have to, uh, you know, don't accept drinks from from individuals, and uh, you can always be in control of your own drink and keep it in sight. Even if you have to go to the toilet, bring your drink with you. You know, uh, you know, if you, you know, there's, there's certain certain things you have to trust your own instinct and your own judgment about situations you know there's only so much i can teach uh, uh, women and young girls but you have to trust trust your own judgment and you have to have some sort of knowledge uh, of these safety precautions that you can take jerry you know it's very very important look uh, you know as you know i do an awful lot of uh, uh, safety programs in secondary schools uh, more and more all girls schools now there's a lot more all girls schools c- uh, coming on board with these programs i, I always remember one girl we are doing a Q&A. We always do it before we start the program because I want to get a sense of where, what way these girls are thinking and what their understanding of safety is. And we were talking about uh, date rape. We were talking about drinks being spiked and stuff like that there and online dating and the dangers of it. And one girl turned around and said to me, sure, if a guy wants to rape me, what am I going to do about it? Mm. And she was 15 years of age. 
My, oh, my, to have that mindset even, you know, to have that speaks volumes and it just should not be, should not be. And that's why your programmes are so successful and what you do in the school there as well. Just remind our listeners, if anybody listening today is affected by what we're talking about and would like to get in touch with you or take one of the classes with you, what's the best way, Anthony? Uh, look, my, my personal number is 85 and look, we're, we're, our school is in the centre of Dundalk, um, right on River Lane. Uh, uh, people might know Mizzou. All the girls, uh, many girls would know Mizzou Hair Salon. It's probably the busiest in Dundalk. We're just above Mizzou Hair Salon in the centre of Dundalk. We're full-time. We do private training. We do group classes, all based around safety and self-defence. Uh, you find us online as well at Crav Maga Systems Ireland, Dundalk HQ. Great stuff. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a great man. Thanks, Anthony. OK, Jerry. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Anthony Canan there from Crav Maga in Dundalk. It really switched on to a situation that no woman or girl should ever, ever have to face. Here with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show this afternoon, I am so looking forward to meeting Tina Claffey. She is a renowned wildlife flora and fauna photographer and we're having a chat with her in a wee while on the show. If you want to get in touch in the meantime, don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Oh yeah, I can dig it all right. I can dig it. I've been digging for years in those old gardens of mine. The Mock Turtles, 1991. I think of you when I hear that song, Louise. Why? Because I can't dig it. <laughs> no, you can't. The swing ball. Oh, swing ball. Yay. <laughs> I got a swing ball, as you know. Um, for the first time since I was a child, I picked one up. I was up in Donegal and um, I started playing with my sister, sister-in-law swing ball and I had a great time. Great crack. So I bought one and what? Jerry, the ground was too hard. I couldn't. <laughs> My husband was away and I was standing there and I had hammers and I was trying to get into the ground and I gave up until he uh, came home. Did you make, you know what, of the swing ball or was it still functioning? You didn't no, I, it's all plastic now. Years mm, ago it used to be actual mm. steel. So I was afraid to hit too hard with the hammer so I just gave up before I broke it. See, and then I was telling the Louise what she needed was a bar. A ferreting bar in particular. I have a ferreting bar, my dad's ferreting bar that we used for years when we used to go after rabbits many moons ago. And you make the hole with the bar, you know, mm. down, down, down. And then you just put your swing ball down it into it. It has to be the precise, though, oh, but, diameter of oh, the swing oh, yeah, ball. Or else the see, swing ball will lean over and then yes, it'll fall. Yes, but with the bar, which is a diameter, you can make the hole to that diameter if you just put it down oh, or okay. if you rotate it round Louise you make the hole slightly larger or as large as you want to put whatever you want into okay. Bob's your uncle Fanny's your aunt and Josie's your sister as they say that's the way it's done <laughs> <laughs> with the Ferretton Bar I could just picture Louise and the ground like concrete oh, and like her trying to get the thing that's why I was thinking but of I there. have it now <clears throat> it's down it's and we've in and, and it's done and dusted great fun the mock turtles. Did you know there's a thing called mock turtle soup? No. There's a soup called mock turtle soup. So it's soup. not real soup. It, go- oh, it's not it is real soup. soup. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right there. I just wondered if the boys take their name from that. That goes back years and years, the mock tur- turtle soup. Back to the names. We were talking about top of the show and a listener's been in touch to say, uh, regarding your topic about males taking on their spouse's name, 
We were legally advised by our solicitor that a male can only change his name once in a lifetime, but a female can change her name many times. So if a man divorces, what happens? Then he can't go back to his surname. Interesting point, isn't it? Oh. Made by it. There you are. That's just come into us there. Thank you indeed. Uh, J-Lo Mo- was married, married how many times? Five <clears throat> times? Is this her fifth time? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Is this so. her fifth name change? Or did she change Possibly every so. time? Possibly so. But she lives in that place That's called the Disunited States of America, where you can probably do anything. You, well, you can't do anything you want because the Supreme Court won't let you. But there you go. Um, yes, she has. She has changed her name a number of occasions. Tell me about the sun cream. You have no. We were talking yesterday about bread and. I ate the blue mouldy bread and I'm all right. I'm here with you today and everything seems okay. And we got loads of advice about freezing and fridges and everything. Well, from bread, we go to sun cream today because Miss Louise Walsh thinks that her family haven't been protected for years. Is that true? Yeah. I'm just reading a piece in the sun here and it said that, um, no, you have to throw out the sun cream once it's expiry. Expired. The date. It's gone. Yeah. So there's an expiry date and sun cream now. Just mm. an expiry date and everything, isn't it? So there's an expiry date in all of us. I think we know I've that. I've had sun cream for about fifteen years or more. <laughs> you mustn't have been out in the sun much. <laughs> I don't believe that because if that's true, then my children and myself should have had no, third the, degree burns. I, I, well, I, maybe me anyway. Not. I, I think they're right because uh, the 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 protection element of it has to wane with time, hasn't it? It has to get less with time like anything else. It deteriorates. But it is true. I all, I'm always slagging you about, you told me you put on the, 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 what did you put on last night? You felt that cold? Please. You don't see much of the sun. So <laughs> I'm no, not surprised the you. The sun doesn't see much of me, no. you mean. So, uh, well, whatever way you like to put it. <laughs> Ferret or Walsh. You know, the usual, whatever way you want to have it. on. I understand. But look, uh, you know, if you don't use the tube much, you could have, must be a big tube of cream you have, is it? Must be like that ice cream, ten yeah, inches. Like a bottle of the like the. I buy a new or a couple of new ones every year, but there's okay. always some from yesteryear. Yeah, that of we go to. We're all like that. Yeah, yeah, we are indeed. But obviously, I'd say the, the moisturizer and everything. I don't go by those. The dates are significant. We're going to have to take that up with Cathy Mar, our pharmacist, who will be well able to tell us uh, about the dates on sun creams and that as well. So stick that down on the jotter there. To do list. Anyway, to do on late lunch in a few moments. I am so looking forward to meeting her. She is an international award winning photographer of wildlife, flora, and fauna. She's one of her own. Based in the Midlands, Tina Claffey is joining us next. No need to remind you on late lunch how we love our books and authors. And from time to time, Curragh Books get in touch with me. And generally, when they do, it is something special. And today is one of those special days because my next guest is an award winning Irish nature photographer. She spent some years in Botswana photographing flora, fauna, and wildlife there. Back home in Ireland, her focus is raised bogs, wetlands and wet woodlands. And she's featured in art collections, exhibitions. And indeed, she's part of the permanent collection at Oris on Uchtaran. And she's been acknowledged and featured internationally too. And I ain't surprised when I'm in possession of a copy of her new book. It's called Portal, Otherworldly Wonders of Ireland's Bogs, Wetlands and Eskers. And I'm delighted to say hello to Tina Claffey. Hi, Tina. Hi, Jerry. Uh, delighted to be on the show. Thanks so much. Not at all. You're very welcome to Late Lunch and I'm delighted to have you with me. Well, you know, from time to time a book comes along and this book is simply magnificent. I want to congratulate you on it because all within the covers, the images, the poetry, 
even the introduction, the forward in it, all the little stories around what you photographed are simply magnificent. Will you tell me where this all began for you? Oh, Jerry, it's a it's a long story. Um, I suppose the bogs and wetlands are my sanctuary, really. I've been exploring them for over 10 years now. Um, it started out uh, with a, a walk with John Feehan, who's a geologist, back in 2012. And uh, he was the one who really opened that door, opened that portal to me of the wonders of the bog. And it began from there. And he gave you a particular type of lens. Tell us about this macro lens, because it enables you to drill down deeper, doesn't it? It does. Well, what he gave me on the day, there was about six of us on a walk. Um, he gave us a little hand lens, which is it's just a tiny little pocket hand lens, which allows you to look at flora and fauna up close. So um, as he was walking and talking, he was scooping up mosses and he was scooping up spiders and he was encouraging us to look through this little hand lens he gave to each of us. And uh, I was absolutely blown away, I have to say, um, because I never thought of the bog being a living landscape. And that's exactly what it is. Um, That little hand lens inspired me to get a macro lens which works kind of in the same way, really. Um, it's a lens that goes on the camera that acts almost like a magnifying lens. So it, um, it allows me to photograph flora and fauna up very close to see really the flora and fauna that you wouldn't see necessarily with the naked eye. Mm, and that comes across, may I say, in this book as well. You can see uh, the way you're able to drill down and drill into uh, the actual images. Um, you, you say in the book that you like to work alone and in silence. Uh, interruption from outside or people in your space, not ideal for what you do, I take it. Not really. I, I love being out there on my own because I can kind of lose myself out there. It's almost like meditation in a way. Um, The macro photography kind of forces you to slow down because you have to slow down to to truly see what what is at your feet. Um, And then as as I look at something through the macro lens, if I swivel it a tiny little bit, I'm going to see something else. And then I see something else. It's almost like a domino effect. Um, I get kind of lost. I can get lost in in a tiny little area of the bog. Um, I even have to, when I bring my phone out onto the bog, I have to set an alarm because I can get lost for hours. Mm. Not literally, but in in a small area um, because there is so much to see within that living carpet. And you know, the story of your search for the raft spider is magnificent. That uh, sums up just what you said to me there now. That, you know... uh, that's it. I mean, that first day I went out um, after getting my macro lens, I was so excited. And I went out and I was expecting to find everything so quickly. And I got I got very kind of disillusioned because I couldn't find all of these little wonders that John Feehan had showed me. Um, but it was only when I sat down with my sandwiches and I was sitting at the edge of a bog pool that I had been searching for this raft spider for hours. And then as I was sitting and as I, as I was eating my sandwich, I noticed that he was right at my foot, um, right at the edge of the bog pool. He's a hunting spider, um, hunts on the water and under the water. Um, and it, it, was, it was right there. So then I, it, it was kind of a, an epiphany, a, a moment where I realised, oh, my God, I just have to slow down. Mm. Once you slow down to the hum of, of nature, slow down to, to that time, be in the present moment, then you're going to see 
what um, you can you can find all sorts of wonders. Then I so was. It's a, it's a learning curve. Yes, I, I was actually with you. I was with you as you described that because I love outdoors myself. I spend a lot of time in nature. I do a lot of fishing on the lakes around the country, and then I have a great appreciation. Thank God uh, for the uh, uh, natural environment as well, as well myself. And I was just with you in that moment. Let me ask you this. You know, you come across things uh, all of the time. Is there always something new to discover? There is always something new. Um, The book is a seasonal journey. I mean, there's always something new, but there's always something new in each season also. Every season has something beautiful to offer. Um, From when the bog wakes up in spring to its absolute, it bursts into life in the summer. But autumn is also a stunning time to be in the bog and winter, too, because mm. the bog frosts over and the sphagnum mosses are, are frozen in time within the bog pools. Um, there's tiny little lichens covered in ice. Every every season is magical. It really is. Well, you break it down into the seasons photography wise as well. And I'm just opening the book here because I've just adored this book since I received it. And I want to go to page 121 because the green elf cup, it's neither green nor blue. You know what I'm talking about. Listeners can't see it, but I describe it for them. What is this? Um, That is a tiny little fungi. Um, that grow, it was in deep, dark woodlands um, around the earth, on the outskirts of the bog. And do you know what? It's a color that you, you don't imagine nature could produce a color like that. Mm. Um, and it's, it's so incredibly tiny. You would walk by that and never, ever see it. It's only, as I say, when you slow down that you'll actually find it. And once you find one, you'll find lots. Um, and I find that a lot when I'm out there, um, once once you slow down, you, you might see something and then you'll see it again and you'll see and you you'll, you'll say, how did I pass that by and not notice it? Yes, um, because it's there. It's all around us. You know, but that that is an amazing little little oh, fungi. It's incredible. And, and that's what you do in this book. You bring things to us that not necessarily we might necessarily ever see or walk by. We could be in their presence, but not see them. Close by page one two three, which is just on from one two one, uh, the reindeer lichen or lichen. Oh my! Oh my! Uh, easily known. Know why it's called that? Yes, it's it's one of my most favourite lichens. Mine too. Um, it's it's almost like like that's how you can really get lost in in a world, and that's why we I call it like otherworldly wonders because these little lichens, like particularly this one. You could be fooled into thinking that is an, an amazing ghostly tree, but it's so tiny. Um, the tips of it are like antlers, which mm. I think I would presume that's why it's called a reindeer reindeer lichen. Yes. Um, but you, I, again, you could you could you could do a whole book just on lichens. You know, mm. it really like there's so much out there. Mm. And then flipping back into the earlier part of the year, as I say, you break it down into the seasons. Um, the green hair streak butterfly. Another amazing creature with unbelievable colours. Yeah, and and I have to say, very hard to capture its beauty on, on with the lens because it's almost an iridescent green. Um, it, it it shimmers in the sun. Mm. Um, I was I was so lucky to to capture that little beauty. Um, that was a Clara bog, um, and it, it, I suppose it the, it was resting on columbine, which purple columbine, so the colour really yes. set off that colour. Um, on the day but a lot of it is luck as well you know it's being in the right place at the right time but I think once once you have slowed down and your eyes are, are more open you, you're, you're going to see more 
But as they say, Tina, you make your own look. And that's what you do. And, and you make these, uh, create these amazing images as well. How do you go about your, your, your business? You know what I'm saying? Do you just decide to head off and take the lenses with you? Is that it? Does, is it? Is it loose like that or is it planned? It's it's a little bit of both, really. I will go with, I usually go with some one thing in mind. I'll say, okay, today I will focus on the Sunday. But I might come back with 10 other species, you know. Um, I will start with something in mind. And as I say, if I move the lens a tiny little bit, I, I'm going to find something else and something else after that. That's just how it goes with macro. You never know what you're going to find out there. It's very addictive. I find it very addictive yeah. anyway. Um, it's, it's, it's a joy. I, I, I absolutely adore macro photography. It's, it's, my, it's, it's my love. It really is. Mm, I ain't surprised. The introduction is very special, or the foreword, should I say, by Mathis Schouten, uh, a professor of restoration ecology uh, in the Netherlands and, of course, here in University uh, College in Cork as well. He says something really... Uh, telling at this time with the heat we've been experiencing in recent days and you know what I'm talking about that us as humans you know what I mean we, we believe we are the supreme being that we can reason unlike anything else but haven't we just come to realise that for all our preeminence that we think we have the natural world it doesn't bow or bend to us it certainly doesn't and I think more and more people are beginning to realise that, that we are part of nature. It's not nature and us, you know. That's, I think mm. that's the key. Um, we are an integral part of it. And if, we, if, it, if it is abused, we are being abused, you know. So it's about respect, yeah. respect of nature and, mm. and looking after it. If we look after nature, we're looking after ourselves because without it, uh, we're at nothing really yes you know? yes we are nothing and and that is a very important message a theme that runs through this book uh, as well the poetry the poet the poem is beautiful at the start isn't it oh uh, that's Eileen Casey's poem presence um it really resonated with me when I when I when I got that poem I was like it to me it captures because it captures the spirit of the bog because it it's all it's like every bog I go to almost has a different presence or a different feeling, you know, mm. um, and I think if I find I, without sounding like a complete hippie, <laughs> I find that if I'm out there um, and like I, I walk, I don't walk through cobwebs, I walk around them. I, I think if you, if you slow down and you have that respect out there, you're rewarded for your patience and you're rewarded for your care as yeah. you walk. The toadstools are there, folks. Dragonflies, all of the spiders are there. The frogs, the spawning time. Oh, my God. What a time of the year that is. I'm going to put you on the spot now. And this is, you can, uh, and I hope you'll be able to answer me on this. From this particular book, what's your favourite image? Oh, God. Um, I think I have two favourites. Go on. Okay. So one of my favourites is the Emperor Moth. Mm. Um mating with the with the small male that yes to me was one of the most special moments i've ever had with my with my camera um the female had emerged just emerged out of her cocoon and i was photographing her and to my astonishment really um, a, a male arrived and they mated in front of my lens um 
when when the female emerges from her cocoon, she releases a pheromone, like a chemical signature into the air, and he can detect her from up to four kilometers away. Mm. And that that to me was it was an amazing, amazing experience to to be and to be in their presence. And they were unfazed completely by me. They didn't care a damn that I was there. (laughs) Um, And I I was allowed to photograph them. And that was amazing. Um, My other favorite would be the frozen sphagnum, which is in the winter section. Yes. Um, It's sphagnum cuspidatum, which is feathery bog moss. And it is frozen in minus four degrees um, centigrade. It was just before Christmas. I, I I remember it was a couple of years ago and just before Christmas. And it was absolutely Baltic, so cold. Um, but as I was wa- stepping over at a shallow bog pool, I noticed something, just something green in the ice. And when I looked through the macro lens, that, that's what I saw. It was mm-hmm. frozen, like frozen in time, completely, perfectly preserved and surrounded by these frozen oxygen bubbles. Mm. And it, it took my breath away, really, when I looked through the lens. And I suppose that's one of my... One of my favourite images as well. Oh, yes, it's beautiful. I had uh, it on my notes here myself just to mention as well. And I'm delighted you have mentioned it. Can I say a couple of things before we finish up? I, I have to say this book has really made its mark with me. I absolutely love it. It's so brilliant, I have to say. And it would take its place in any home up or down the country. And you could open it at any stage and enjoy aspects of it and use it through the seasons if you wanted to as well. And I'm also thinking, if I was waiting for an appointment, Tina, with my dentist or in a doctor's or, you know, a place like that, this book is a must for places like that. And I'd never want to see the dentist if I got hold of this book. I just want to stay with this book and rearrange the appointment. I really mean that. It is so enthralling and I just simply, simply loved it. It's called Portal, Otherworldly Wonders of Ireland's Bogs, Wetlands and Eskers by Tina Claffey. And Tina Claffey is online as well. TinaClaffey.com. Check her out. It's available all around the place, this, isn't it, Tina? Yeah. It is available. And I, I, I even got the approval of Sir David Attenborough himself, can you believe it? Brilliant. Um, I sent him him my book um, last month and I received a handwritten letter from him. I mean, it just, it made my decade really. Um, And not only that, but he acknowledged my previous book as well in the letter. Um, So it was... Just, it's, it's framed and up on the wall already. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. And I ain't one bit surprised that he loves it because I say it again. This is a really special book. It's a wonderful work. You should be so proud of it. You're so talented. And I'm delighted you took time to join me today on the show. Thank you so much. I wish you well for the future. Thank you so much, Jerry. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Tina Claffey there. Portal, otherworldly wonders of Ireland's bogs, wetlands, and eskers. It is simply brilliant. Tina Claffey mentioned David Attenborough. Isn't it fantastic? He acknowledged her book and wrote to her personally. And Pat's been on to say David Attenborough has proven that we are destroying the world in recent days again. Bear out his dire warnings. They do indeed. Now, my artist of the week, excuse me, this week is Cat Stevens. And following his conversion to Islam, he changed his name to Yusuf Islam and totally abandoned his musical career in 1978 for the best part of two decades. He did, however, play a final performance at Wembley Stadium in November 79. That was a big charity gig there. So off he went for the guts of 20 years 
and he resumed his career uh, out of the blue, really, in the late 90s. And as the noughties then dawned, with encouragement from within the Muslim community, he recorded Peace Train for a compilation CD. And then in 2004, Stevens and our own Ronan Keating released a new version of Father and Son, which made it to number two in the UK charts. Would have been number one, only for the Christmas number one was again, uh, I think it was Live Aid was released around that time, but they made it to number two with that song. And then he released his first album uh, following his hiatus. That was in November 2006 to coincide with the 40th anniversary of the release of his first album, Matthew and Son. More recently... He was eventually and deservedly inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in April 2014 in New York, where he reprised a number of his songs, including this one. I'm being followed by a moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shadow, leaping and hopping on a moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shadow, moon shadow. Yeah, Mr. Cat Stevens, my artist of the week, and Moon Shadow on your late lunch this Wednesday afternoon. And we'll have more from Cat Stevens tomorrow in words and song round about this time on the show. Now, Gormanston Camp is open and receiving refugees from the Ukraine. But just over 50 years ago, it went through a similar time when the troubles in the north really kicked off and people had to get out. And they came to Gormanstown and his memories are still vivid and he's going to tell us about them next. Paul Murphy on Late Lunch. On Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon, Farida Barry White is joining us. He's a late vocation. Barbara Scully, author, is with us in studio and she's a brilliant new book about ageing and particularly from a woman's perspective. And we'll be talking to a camper van couple who are travelling across Europe in this intense heat. We finish off today with Mr Paul Murphy. Hello, Hello again, Paul. You. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show uh, today, Paul. To bring us uh, a flavour for a time just over 50 years ago when Gormanston Camp was at the centre of another refugee crisis, Paul, caused by internment in the north of Ireland. Fractious times. Paul, how many people came to Gormanston back then? Um, you're talking about several thousand in all, there were about 5,149 refugees in Gormanston. And then, of course, 2,000 of those stayed on. Um, uh, and the, re- the remainder then were, were were transported then to, to what we call tra- uh, transit, tra- transit camps in, in the rest, of, in the remainder of the country. Mm. There, were six, there were six other camps in total. Mm. And then people were taken there. Now, it has to be said then that uh, in, in in August 1971, uh, more than 1,200 people, uh, you know, expressed their horror at what they called appalling conditions at the camp, and returned home. Mm. And among their complaints was a lack of proper food and other facilities for children. Mm. And uh, but the camp hall, it wasn't designed to take the numbers and the huge immediate influx. No, the army said at the time uh, that look. The, the place was there was built to cope for five hundred people, yeah. and in fact, in fact, then they had two thousand eight hundred staying there at any one time. Wow. 
It's a lot of oh. people, a lot of people. Annie McAvoy is a name who, who springs to mind. She was only 14 at the time. She she described what had happened in Belfast. It was unbelievable. People just left with nothing, Paul, didn't they? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, she was 14 at the time. And then she said that, that things were so bad that her father just piled everybody into the uh, family van and drove straight to Gormerton mm. from West Belfast. Yes. So it was, it, was, it was a pretty bad time, you know, that... 350 men had been had been picked up or lifted, as they call it, up there, and then interned without without trial, and uh, that created a great deal of uh, consternation in the community and very and, and upset and disturbance. Yeah, and but you have to say that at the time, Paul, here, credit where credit's due, many organisations dug in, like the Defence Forces, FCA, Red Cross, Civil Defence, etc., and they did their best for the people, those 2,800 who, who were in Gormerston. I'm thinking of Butlins, Dublin Zoo, food trips here, there. There was a big effort, wasn't there, Paul? Uh, a huge effort. Um, you had the Army for a start, then you had the Red Cross, uh, the FCA, and you had civil defence. And then you had a large number of volunt- people who volunteered. Uh, there are echoes in the uh, present uh, Ukraine uh, refugee crisis uh, in, the, in that uh, in mid-August of 71, uh, the then Taoiseach Jack Lynch said that the reception of refugees had almost reached saturation point. Mm. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was tough going for the government because uh, unlike uh, Ukraine, there was no preparation for this. Uh, there was this huge, uh, you know, unannounced internment in the north, created a huge disturbance overnight, and immediately then people felt they had to get the hell out of out of uh, Belfast and Derry and elsewhere. So it, it was um, it was just thrown onto the government very suddenly, and they um, they did their best, you know. Yeah, uh, they... it, has to, it, it has to be said then that you know in a in a government um, in a government memo, which was released in the state papers in 1984, uh, it, it turned out that um, you know that the government had said that a lot of the people who came from the north had been very ungrateful and uh, sometimes obstreperous and uh, upsetting pe- people down here and all that kind of stuff. But then, on the other hand, you have realised that you know people were running for their lives, yes. uh, you know, terrified. Uh, leaving their homes behind, uh, didn't know what they were going back to, all that sort of stuff. So it was it was um, it was a tra- traumatic time for everybody. I mean, I remember um, FCA men who, who worked in the camp talking about, you know, okay, they got they, they got some rough treatment from from some of the refugees who weren't happy with the conditions they had to live in, and I think that was that was fair enough from the point of view of the refugees because. They were, as I say, they were they were running from 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 deep trauma, and um, so so the, the government was 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 doing its, its its very utmost, you know. Yes, and it was a, an immediate and unprecedented situation. You met Anita Curry. Now there is a name that rings a bell, Curry. Yeah, they were they were. I often think that um, herself and Austin, her husband. Uh, the SD, the late uh, Austin, who was the SDLP politician in the north, they had an awful lot to put up with in their lives. Uh, their home outside Dungannon was attacked uh, more than thirty times, and then in finally, then in the early seventies, then uh, Austin was away at a conference in Cork, 
and uh, two men uh, entered the house uh, who claimed to be uh, from the UVF, Ulster Volunteer Force. And uh, they they attacked Anita and beat her up and kicked her and all the rest of it. And then they, they, they unfortunately, they carved uh, UVF on her body uh, before they left. And this is this in front of uh, two, two small children. So um, I, I had... Um, uh, Anita had to flee flee from the house and uh, she ended up then in Gormerston camp where I interviewed her then for the for the evening herald at the time. Um, she was in a in a very distressed state. She was beaten and bruised. And uh, if you look anybody looks on the internet now and calls up Anita Curry, they can see the photograph of her uh, being very vulnerable looking into the camera there in a I think it's a press association picture at the time. And um, so I interviewed her there. Um, and they, they'd had an awful lot to put up with, really. And um, she, she she kind of played it down in, in later years then because she said there were people, there were worse things happening to other people. So what happened to her, at least she escaped with her life. Yes. But uh, it, was a, it was a terrible time, really. Yes. And beyond Gormanston, Paul, in the town of Drogheda, uh, you know, the various groups came together. I'm thinking about in County Meath as well, people like Derry O'Dwyer. Uh, there's a name who, uh, who, who who did a lot at that time for refugees. Uh, oh, Derry was a great man. Um, he, was, he was fantastic. He, he headed up the civil defence in the county. And um, he was responsible, really, for trying to coordinate the whole effort in in County Mead. And uh, he was able to get, you know, groups together. There was a lot more activity, I think, in in uh, in, in 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 Mead than 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 elsewhere. That's what I, that's what I'm gathering. Um, I've looked through the files of the Mead Chronicles, for instance, and I know I know that um, there was. Um, Derry uh, Derry O'Dwyer and uh, got got people together. Uh, was, um, for instance, and then the, the, the local organisations. Uh, for instance, I just run this past then there were 188 people were housed in uh, Dalgan Park, and then Our Lady of Sion Convent 21, Saint Martha's College 37, Mercy Convent 53, Saint Michael's Loretto 51, and the Gay Lynn College at Gibson 110. So these were these were kind of mainly religious organisations who, mm. you know, put themselves out there and they opened their door you know, to to people who are in in trauma. You know. Yes, and and then go on. And then there was a Republican Aid Committee as well set up in the in the uh, in a centre at the Banda Hall in Navan uh, to collect money and clothing for the refugees, and. Um, they uh, then Derry O'Dwyer then uh, appealed for people with cars to take the refugees to sporting and other events in the county, and then entertainers were asked to come to the centre and and uh, and entertain them. So it was a wonderful time, really. Um, you know, people really came out in force. There were, 100, there were thousand people attended a rally in support of the refugees in heavy rain in Navan. And then a, a, a Mead Chronicle reporter uh, who went out to Bruna Mee at Gibstown found a very happy, happy, very happy atmosphere uh, generated by Mr. and Mrs. Alan Fitzsimons of Randallstown. 
who had organised the the, the, uh, the centre there. Yes. Um, and of course, uh, the Chronicle said that uh, Mrs. Rita Simons was a former admin officer in the RAF. There you go. And isn't that a, just an irony, an irony in itself? Paul, I have to leave it there today. Thanks for giving us a flavour of the time and the effort that was involved. And here we have history repeating itself over 50 years later. Some gems in there in what you've just been telling us. I really appreciate it, Paul, and thanks for taking the time to do so much to find out, uh, you know, and to remind yourself uh, of that time that you were were deeply involved with too. Talk to you soon, Paul. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's the wonderful Paul Murphy there, working away with the Mead Chronicle still. Wonderful journalist, great man, and memories of just over 50 years ago when... Gormanstown and more places in the northeast were opened up to cater for the spillage of refugees from the troubles in the north of Ireland. That's it on late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with the drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely evening and come back, please, and join us for your late lunch Thursday at one thirty. We'll see you then. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal, Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Mocha, featuring Opal's iconic new signature visor, stunning Opal Pure Panel, and a choice of petrol, diesel, or fully electric. The new Opal Mocha is less normal, more Mocha. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.